Welcome to Stoner Chicks, the podcast for stoners by Stoner Chicks. I'm Spookity Stephanie. <laughs> I'm Ghoulily Grace. <laughs> I'm Grace Penzel. I'm Kayla Teal. And I'm for b b b b b b b b b b b Scary echo. Scary. Yes, and welcome to a spooky episode of Stoner Chicks. And my bra's not fitting well. Take it off. Take it off. Burn your bra. It's a sports bra, so I'd have to like take everything off first. Take everything off. Take everything <laughs> off, off first. <laughs> uh, we are recording this a little in advance of the spooky holiday, but I'm getting very much in the mood. I'm starting to see Ooh. decorations. Oh, Phoebe's kind of semi in the dark. Should I do that? Ooh. Looks fun. Yeah, things are getting spooky up in here. You can't see this, but we're all turning lights off. Lights out. Lights out. <laughs> Mummy oh. can't save you now. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, happy October, everyone. Everybody knows this is an awesome month of the year. Feels good to be in the thick of it. Kayla just had a birthday. I just had a Kayla birthday. Kayla just had a birthday. Grace had a birthday. It's Libra season, baby. We're going all out. Everybody, please fall in love with us now. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> I like pumpkins. <laughs> I like pumpkins. Do you have any? I haven't. <laughs> I haven't gotten any yet. It's time. I got a pumpkin, but I'm very... I'm not seeing anyone else put out pumpkins. I'm seeing a lot of Halloween decorations, but no pumpkins. Very few anyway. And I'm like, oh, shit, did I put out a pumpkin and the sun is just going to eat it alive in five days? It will eat it alive. No, no, no. See, that's the thing is that in the desert, since it's drier, pumpkins actually last a lot longer. Oh. In New Mexico, you carve a pumpkin, leave it out. It's going to chill. It might get a little dry. It wasn't until I moved to the Northwest and carved my first pumpkin up here, like misguidedly multiple weeks ahead of Halloween, that I realized that shit rots and turns moldy real quick because it's so humid. Oh, wow. That's all I've ever experienced. I didn't yeah. realize that's why. Yeah. Mm. Like a moldy, rotten pumpkin is not what I experienced. Like a sort of just dried hard pumpkin more so grace thank you for this lesson in pumpkin genetics yeah the more you know it's a lesson in ecology <laughs> and geographic <laughs> environmentalism thank you grace i should have just asked you yeah it's my first time living in somewhere so hot and dry i thought so yeah i don't i don't understand why i'm the only one in the neighborhood with a pumpkin but <laughs> maybe there's some weird pumpkin eating critter that ravages L.A. Ooh. and at night comes out and I don't know. It's like a weird rabid squirrel or something looking for pumpkin seeds. Spooky. Spooky. <laughs> Speaking of spooky, Grace and I have a very spooky topic to talk about today. Oh, yeah? Yeah. We needed to come up with something that would give a little bit of a shiver down the spine and... 
honestly, when we came up with the idea for it, I didn't think it would sort of shake me as deeply as it has. It's a terrifying topic when you really start thinking about it and looking into it. Yes, because we're talking near-death experiences. So Kayla, can you give us an overview? So first off, what I want to say is that people are having near-death experiences more than they ever have in human history. While they've always happened in human history, and there are accounts that we can find from hundreds of years back, because of inventions like CPR and the defibrillator, people are coming back from the dead more than they ever have. Wild. And how many of them are zombies? (laughs) All of them, technically. (laughs) Yeah. There's a show called Surviving Death that's on Netflix. It's a docu-series. And I started watching some of it. Kayla, I think, watched all of it. Yes. And I referenced it last in last week's episode when I was talking about reincarnated kids. Right. And so in that documentary, they actually show a group of people that meets in Seattle that are and the woman's like, who here has had a near death experience? And like so many people raise their hand and she's like, welcome dead people. And like, that's kind of the joke is that, you know, they truly have died. So to give a little of an overview on near-death experiences, this is generally defined as something that happens when someone is physically dead. They have no vital signs. Their heart has stopped. They have lost connection to oxygen for long enough that by all accounts, they should be brain dead that sort of thing. And while that is happening, their body is physically, medically dead. They are having an experience of consciousness that is beyond basically anything that we can understand. And there are some commonalities and trends that happen across all of these. Kayla, I know you had some. Yes, some things that a lot of people... and. There's a doctor that Grace is going to talk about in a minute who estimates that people that have that come back from the dead, about 10 to 20 percent of them after they're resuscitated, say that they've experienced one of these near death experiences. They describe a blissful experience in which they leave their bodies and travel into another realm. Some patterns, a distorted sense of time, a Mm. warm, loving being of light. Their ordinary senses, human senses, becoming much more vivid. And a lot of them, most of them, well, they all come back profoundly changed, like behaviorally. One of the biggest behaviors that's amongst almost all of them is they no longer have a fear of dying because they've already done it. And most of them have a pleasant experience. Yeah. And actually, a lot of people who have had near death experiences report that as they were having that experience, and were being called back into their life because of whatever resuscitation was happening, they didn't want to go back. It seemed horrible because they had reached this level of sort of ineffable enlightenment, this like of all knowing that it was really hard to return. So a lot of the information that we're getting both in the Netflix docuseries and just sort of in general, because he's at the top of his field, is coming from Dr. Bruce Grayson. 
And Bruce Grayson is a professor of psychiatric medicine, an emeritus professor of psychiatry and neurobehavioral sciences, and the former director of the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia. So basically, he was a psychiatrist and sort of very into it's all about science. Like once someone's brain dead, that's it. They're dead. And had a patient that basically had tried to end their life and showed up and that person was in a coma. And the story went that while they were in a coma, he had gone to talk to a friend of theirs in the lobby and basically saying, like, this person is going to be dead, brain dead. And when he came back the next day, the person had woken up out of the coma, but was able to relay to him completely, like, yes, I already know who you are, even though they have never met. And yes, I watched the entire conversation that you had with my friend in the waiting room yesterday and could name what both of them were wearing everything they talked about, etc. And that changed his mind so much that he started researching it and has basically dedicated his life to collecting thousands of accounts of people talking about their near-death experiences. One thing that I think is really interesting about this phenomenon is that none of these people seem to really be trying to say anything about life and death. Like, none of them are trying to say, like, there is something beyond all this or X, Y, Z. They're just really relaying their own experiences of what happened to them. And by collecting all of these accounts, you start to see patterns. Another pattern that Bruce Grayson talks about in an interview with him is the pattern of relationships struggling after one partner has a near-death experiences. Spouses will report that it's like they're dealing with a completely different person. It's like a stranger in their bed. And similarly, the people that are coming back from the near-death experiences feel implicitly and completely, totally, wholly changed. So they're having trouble relating to people who have not had that experience. Totally. All right. Well, do you want to jump into our first near-death experience story? Yeah, I'd love to hear it. I do. I want to get spooked out. (laughs) Okay. Now, these stories are of people actually dying, though at the start, we know that they do come back to life. But I'm still going to give a trigger warning for this one because this one is a death by drowning. So skip ahead if you don't want to hear about that. This first person, her name is Dr. Mary Neal. She's an orthopedic spine surgeon, and she died in 1999 while on a kayaking trip in Chile. So she was kayaking, kind of an intense athletic type of kayaking that I've never done, like down a river. (laughs) And there's a part where there's a big waterfall, and there's like a place where you do not want to go over the waterfall, and then there's a place where it's like easier and you can safely go down. But there was another kayaker blocking that part of the waterfall. So she had to go over the main part of the waterfall. Her kayak got pinned somehow underwater about 10 feet down and she was fully submerged. And here's a quote from her. She said, I felt no pain, no fear, no panic. 
I felt more alive than I've ever felt. Which is ironic because Dr. Mary Neal was, in fact, dying. She said, I sort of felt my spirit peeling away from my body, and my spirit was then released to the heavens. I was immediately greeted by a group of somethings. I don't know what to call them. People, spirits, beings. I didn't recognize any of them, but they had been important in my life somehow, like a grandparent who died before I was born. They were so overjoyed to welcome me and greet me and love me. So she remembers these beings guiding her down a path covered in flowers. There was an absolute shift of time and dimension. I experienced all of eternity in every second, and every second expanded to all of eternity. The path they were leading her down eventually led her to a big domed structure, and she believed herself to be in what she can only describe as heaven. I had an overwhelming sense of being home. At the same time, I could look back at my body, still submerged underwater. Back on Earth, the group of kayakers she was with was trying to rescue her, but they couldn't. The currents were incredibly strong, and she had already been submerged for about 15 minutes. Oh my goodness. And they started to make the transition away from rescue and into like body recovery mode. One of her fellow kayakers saw her life jacket floating downstream, and he swam to get it because he thought maybe her husband would want to keep it. I think that's very weird. (laughs) I would not want to keep that. But as he reached the life jacket, he felt his leg come in contact with her body. He grabbed her wrist and he pulled her body to shore. They described her as bloated and purple and not breathing. Meanwhile, Mary, standing with her guides at the entrance of the heavenly domed structure... She watched as the other kayakers began CPR. She could also hear them. One of them was calling her to come back, saying, please come back, I know you're still in there. And she had been without oxygen for 30 minutes at this Mm -hmm. point. The statistic likelihood of surviving without oxygen for 30 minutes is zero. It's like not possible. She said, I did not want to go back down to my body. I had a very, very physical sensation of being held and comforted and reassured that everything was fine. But the beings told me this wasn't my time, that I had more work to do on Earth and that I had to go back to my body. When she woke up, the kayakers were stunned, first of all. She was in really rough shape, lots of broken bones, torn ligaments. They put her on a kayak and carried her up a hill to a dirt road where an ambulance just happened to be sitting there (laughs) in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they were like in the middle of the jungle in Chile in 1999. Wow. And the hospital called her husband and said that they didn't think she would survive the night, but she did. The likelihood of her not suffering from a significant brain damage is zero, zero percent. And yet she did not suffer any brain damage. She made a full recovery after being in the hospital for a month. And that's the story of Dr. Mary Neal. I also watched that part where she talked about it. and. She is another example of someone who was like, I'm a physician. Like in medicine, it's not you're taught what death is and you're not supposed to believe that there's anything else besides what is medically possible. But her total perception was shifted. And she also could see two realms at the same time. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. She could see what was happening to her body in this realm 
as well in whatever realm that she was transported to, she was existing at the same time, pretty much. That's crazy. Yeah. And there's a part, it's a lot of these stories sound like DMT trips. Like if you've ever heard people talk about when they do DMT, Mm -hmm. which is like closely linked to whatever chemicals released in your body when you dream, right? Like our brains are built to have hallucinations like that or expansions of consciousness. So there's a part of me that feels like, okay, this could just be our brains helping us cope with the act of dying and making it pleasant. But what doctors say is that like, because you are literally brain dead, your blood's not pumping, there's no brain activity, like you're not supposed to be having conscious thoughts while you're dying. And the the things that people like will visually see while they are flatlined is like things that are actually happening. And that's what like made doctors take it seriously. Yeah. All right. Should we go to a spooky smoke break and then have another near-death experience when we come back? I think we should. Welcome back from your smoke break, stoners. Phoebe's hitting her little itty bitty vape pen. Toot toot. Toot toot. (laughs) Deep. Toot toot. You join us in the middle of what we're calling the near-death experience experience. (laughs) (laughs) Love that. And I just wanted to circle back to Bruce Grayson, who we get so much of this information from about near-death experience research. And one story anecdote that he had that particularly stuck out to me that I think is a theme is that of a soldier, a guy who had trained to be in the military his entire life. And his whole thing was like being a career military person rising in ranks. He died. He had a near-death experience. And when he came back from that experience, he could no longer be a soldier. He could no longer use a gun or entertain the possibility of killing another human being. And Bruce Grayson says that that is a trend with a lot of people who have near-death experiences who are formerly police officers or military or you know, CEOs, that sort of thing, that after they come back from near-death experience and have this experience that's so common of all-encompassing love and peace, that they turn to other professions like teaching, social work, nonprofit work, caregiving, elder care, all that stuff. In fact, uh, Joseph Garacci, who is another man who had a near-death experience and wrote the book, Eternity Revisited, Messages on Life for My Near-Death Experience, talks about how after he had his near-death experience where he bled to death except for one pint of blood during an operation, and he was a former police officer, when he came back, he said that experiencing the things that exist in an imperfect world was traumatic. I couldn't watch TV for its violence. I couldn't watch cosmetic commercials because of the vanity involved. And much to the chagrin of my wife, my personal appearance was not a very high priority. 
I also lost the corporate drive to get to the top of the ladder at work. And it took time to accept myself. So I just think that that's really interesting that there can be a complete shift on your perception of what bodies mean, what the human experience means. It's mind-blowing. Speaking of the human body, I saw a TikTok by a guy talking about his near-death experience where he said that he had died in an ambulance, I forget of what, but that he had visions of a guide coming and bringing him all the way forward in time, whatever that means, and all the way back. So he went through, he says he went through like where his soul goes in the future and shit like that. And when he, they kind of rewound back in his body and he woke up in the ambulance, he said his first thought back in his body was, I can't believe we're still using these. Meaning the human body, meaning like he can't believe humans are still using them because they're faulty. They fall apart. They can succumb to disease. He was just and that's all the information he gave. But like what? a That's a weird one to wake up. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Mm. I want my robo body. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. Something that all of this made me think of, too, is when we think about like mediums or ghosts, honestly, which is something that we've talked about a lot as stoners on this podcast. (laughs) Stoners and ghosts go way back. (laughs) These accounts of people like perfectly experiencing and witnessing things happening to their body from outside of their body when they had zero consciousness or vital signs really kind of makes you think that, okay, here's the thing. A lot of people think that near-death experiences are just another conspiracy theory, right? Like just kind of another hoaxy thing that's sort of woo-woo and disprovable in all of these ways. And a lot of times I think that they're just asking the questions. It's just them asking questions. And one question I have is, what does this mean for the idea that people's spirits are still hanging around after they die? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's something to be said about where our consciousness goes after our mortal bodies ultimately fail us, (laughs) like where our consciousness goes. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And some of the surgery stories are what started convincing doctors because doctors were experiencing people having these accounts right in front of them. And some people who like Bruce Grayson has a story about a lady who they kind of made clinically dead on purpose for a surgery and they kind of cooled her body down and like she was, her heart was not pumping, her brain was not, there were no brain waves happening and she watched the surgery and came back and told them, could describe all the instruments, could describe what they spoke about while she was under and she wasn't just under anesthesia. She was not in a coma. She was clinically dead and she saw everything. And that was one of the things he also said convinced him to study this field. And my last story of a near-death experience is a story about birth complications. So that's the trigger warning is birth complications. If you don't like to hear about that, I don't blame you. I'm Childbirth is one of my scariest, like my biggest fears pretty much. 
which is why I'm probably never going to do that. Okay, so there was a woman who is also featured in episode one of Surviving Death, who at 20 weeks, she went in for her 20-week ultrasound, and they discovered that she had something called placenta previa, which is a condition where it could result, there's a like likelihood, it could result in the placenta beginning to fuse itself into the uterus. And if this happens, it's possible that you can bleed out and both you and the baby die. Terrifying. Terrifying thing to be told. So she like did some research on it and was starting to have these like weird visions. She started having, which she never had before, premonitions that she was going to die at the end of this pregnancy and the baby was going to live. And it completely consumed her for the last half of her pregnancy, where even if like somebody came up and asked her like, how's the pregnancy going? She would be like, I'm going to die. And that's that's all she could think about, which sounds terrifying. And she had already had a baby before and it all went fine. So she, this was her second time around. So one day after trying to tell her doctor and her husband, who both were like, the doctor was trying not to make her panic. And her husband thought it was just pregnancy hysteria. And so she really had no one believing her fully. But all the pregnancy, she was like, I know that I'm going to die. And like just started to accept that she was going to die weird. This is not a normal part of these stories. This is unique to her. So the day she went into labor, she was standing in the kitchen and she started bleeding. The nanny was there with the other kid and the nanny and her went to the hospital. When she gets in the operating room, she immediately bleeds out and dies. And just as she predicted. And this is what she said happened when she flatlined. Everything came into a 3D movie, and I could actually see outside my body. My point of view was above my body and next to my body, and I could see everything that was going on in the operating room. I could see the anesthesiologist by my feet. I see which nurse jumped on my chest to give me CPR. In this other dimension, special relations break. There is no ceiling. There are no walls. Everything is just moving around in so many different directions. I saw my daughter in a completely different part of the hospital with our nanny. I saw what my husband was wearing when he got off the plane. And then I see spirits everywhere. My grandmother who had passed when I was 10 years old. My mother's brother also appeared. And the last thing I remember was Julie, my OBGYN, saying, this can't be happening, this can't be happening. Because this woman was saying to Julie all along that she thought this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so she said that suddenly there was this pulling sensation in my stomach. And then I was back in my body. I was clinically dead for 37 seconds. Wow. So that's wow. her story. And the OBGYN they interview and the OBGYN is like, I'd never seen anything like this. Like she called it and it happened, but she came back and she described everything that was happened in the room while she was out and gone. And... I have completely rethought my spirituality because of this experience with her. Wild. That's crazy. Another circumstance of the dimensions blurring Mm -hmm. and you can exist in more than one dimension at a a certain point where it makes me think dimensions exist, different dimensions Mm -hmm. exist, certain planes of existence are existing all at the same time. Yeah. And therefore ghosts. And therefore ghosts. (laughs) therefore ghosts (laughs) hey i'm gonna hit this for my ghost friends out there 
Puff one out for the ghost friends. Puff one out for the ghost friends. Well, that was some great near-death experience stories, ladies. Thank you. Yeah, I honestly am going to probably watch more of that show. And then also, okay, I told this to Kayla, but I have to put the recommendation out there. This is not a true show. This is a completely fictional show, but it's called The OA. People who have seen it know what's up. In 2016, the first season came out. I've only seen the first season, but it was one of those pieces of media that like was all consuming. Like after I watched that show, that's like all I wanted to talk about and no one else had seen it. So if you're bored (laughs) and want to watch the Netflix show that's like really dramatic and spooky and only sort of near near death about near death experiences. Anyways, it's really cool. The OA. That's my recommendation. Thanks for the rec, Grace. With that, Stephanie. Spookily Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. What do you got for us? I have a things I saw while I was high. Spooky edition. Things she saw while she was high. And so this was sort of planned, not sort of planned out. This was planned out where I was going to do this and I didn't have anything planned for it. Yeah, this was planned out that you had to do a thing that's not planned out. That I didn't plan out. (laughs) Uh Your plan was no plan. (laughs) My plan was no plan. I was originally going to go and smoke in this graveyard and there's this creepy tunnel in the park that I live near. I was going to do that, but then I decided that was too creepy for me. (laughs) (laughs) I would do it if we were in a group. If we were in a group, I'd totally do it. But I don't know if I would go into a dark tunnel with you all. Uh, it's not that big of a tunnel. It's like a small tunnel. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about just a graveyard? Like, get high and, and look at the gravestones. That'd be fun. Tripping on mushrooms in a graveyard was one of the best trips I've ever had. Oh, Ooh. nice. Amazing. So beautiful. Anyway. So I've decided today that I was going to smoke in my cousin's creepy basement. Oh. Hmm. And I filmed the whole thing. Why is your cousin's basement so creepy? It's old. Like, there's parts of the basement that are just not finished. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and so it has, like, the the insulation exposed and the wall studs, and it's filled with bugs and just kind of, and it doesn't really have any light in there. And it's kind of an enclosed and has like a little door that goes to it that's kind of creepy. And so I thought it would be a good place to light up a joint and see if I can talk to any spirits. Oh. Wow. And I filmed the whole thing on my phone. (laughs) And I can post the video. I don't know how interesting. It's like three and a half minutes long and nothing happens. But... Stephanie just trying to talk to the spirits. Hello. I was thinking that like as I was recording, like I'd maybe see a face behind me or something appear. (laughs) This will 1000% be on our Instagram today. (laughs) And then or I'd hear whispering like once I played it back, you know, I thought like once I recorded it, maybe I'll see something. Mm. So maybe... Maybe there is something there. I played it back and I didn't see or hear anything, but maybe listeners out there, <laughs> I, once we look post for that it, face, look for, look for that face. 
But I I really started to creep myself out because I was thinking about it and I was all by myself in the house. And so I was just like thinking about what if something did like come out in the background and what I would yeah. do. Yeah, what would you do if you saw the face? I, I think I would like scream and run out of the room. But I remember to get my phone or would I just like, I don't know. I just had a high thought. Yeah. Mm. Is our impulse to scream is like a survival instinct thing? Because like if you make noise, someone's more likely to come save you. Huh. Probably. Because I can't help it but scream sometimes. No, when I get genuinely scared, it's it's a yelp that comes out of me. Yeah. Sounds just come out when I'm startled. Oh, yeah. I scream a lot. So I'll scream in our home. Jeff will like come <laughs> like come into a room and I'm like got my headphones in. Or like honestly, even if I'm just kind of zoned in, he'll come into a room and then I'll just be like, ah! he's like, I wasn't even being quiet or anything. <laughs> I don't know, Kayla. <laughs> I did hear street noises, like cars going by. So I mean. It wasn't very scary. <laughs> <laughs> but you're suddenly high. Did you get a little paranoid or anything? I did get a little paranoid. And as soon as I was like kind of done with my spliff as I was recording, I was like, I'm just going to get out of here. And I quickly like because I just I didn't there is like a little like tug light that you can turn on. But I just use this small little lantern to make it like creepier, you know. I do my big takeaway. It is like a cool little smoking closet. Like if you put a few candles in there and maybe drape the walls with some cloth, like you can make it like kind of a really cool. Let's do that. It can be our weed witch hangout clubhouse. Yeah. Do you think it would be a good place to record the podcast? Actually, yes. (laughs) (gasps) But what if a face just appeared in the cloth? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We all witness a ghost on Zoom. What if we had the first Zoom ghost sell that to True TV? I think people have made art about that, like paranormal Zoom call stuff. Mm. My (laughs) sex encounter with a paranormal Zoom ghost. (laughs) Just just saying. That's the porn rule. Is the ghost on the other end of the Zoom or is the ghost in the same room with you on Zoom? Same room. I think same room and you see things happening to other people that are scary. Okay. (laughs) So basically your story is that you went into a basement and smoked weed and nothing happened? (laughs) Yeah, that's basically my story. That is terrifying. I love this story. so scary. I did also kind of wonder if maybe there was a ghost there that latched onto me and that tonight (laughs) maybe I'll get haunted. Yeah, they were just observing and seeing if you were chill first. Yeah. Yeah. And you are, so. Yeah. Yeah, they're with you right now. Maybe this is part ghost spirit Stephanie talking and not Stephanie (laughs) Stephanie. (gasps) You'll never know. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, ask her something only she would know. How many fingers do you have? Oh, nine. Damn it. It is Stephanie. (laughs) (laughs) I have nine fingers and three thumbs. All of our listeners are like, whoa, I didn't know that about Steph. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steph, I guess I hope that you get that ghost experience. I might try it again. Please report back. I think you, 
You need to make a video every time and we're going to post time. it every time. <laughs> every week, just a video of Stephanie sitting in the dark. Yeah. I mean, there was all those shows that were like hunting Bigfoot that went on for seasons and seasons and they never found Bigfoot. It's true. It's about the journey. So. <laughs> yeah. I think the lesson of today's episode is that it's about the journey. <laughs> <laughs> it sure is. And with that, I believe we're at the end of our episode. So I hope everyone is gearing up for an exciting Halloween weekend. Be safe and sexy. That's my <laughs> motto. <laughs> and hey, get a little scared. Yeah, just scream you know, once or twice. Just scream a little. Find a creepy closet and smoke in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's our assignment. Report back. And if you've ever had a near-death experience, also report back. Let us know. Oh, yeah. We'll read it on the pod. Absolutely. If you want to write us an email, you can do that at stonerchickspodcast at gmail.com. That's where you could tell Kayla about your near-death experiences. You can tell Stephanie all of your high thoughts, and then we're going to get high and think about them a lot. You also can join our Patreon, and that's at stonerchickspodcast at Patreon. Yep. No, no. <laughs> Try again. Stoner Chicks Podcast. No, nope. nope. no. Patreon. Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash Stoner Chicks. Yeah, and that's where you can get more content of more of this type of content <laughs> that you're hearing right now. Sometimes I do entire episodes that are just me talking. <laughs> if you go to stonerchickspodcast.com, you can find a place to sign up for our newsletter. You can also buy a t-shirt. Ooh, with our faces can, on them. With it, our, on all of on them, on every shirt. On every shirt that we print <laughs> just for you, made to order. <laughs> and we'd love for you to give us a review and five stars either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Phoebe, is it okay that I'm kind of taking the ball on this? Oh, it's making me feel very relieved. <laughs> We'd really appreciate your review. And besides that, we're Broccoli Broads on TikTok, Stoner Chicks Podcast on Instagram, Stoner Chicks Pod on Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Stoner Chicks 42069. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Uh, mm hmm. Something like that. And we love you so much, stoners. We love you. We love you. Hey, Stephanie, what do stoners always say? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> just find a closet or a basement and get real high and wait for the ghosts to creep out. <laughs> Smoke your weed. Smoke your weed. Don't look behind you. Happy Halloween! <laughs>